0: This week, HVAC 360 salutes GreenHack. As an industry-leading manufacturer, their focus is to build value in air. That's more than a catchy play on words. That's what they do. GreenHack has come a long way since 1947 when it began business as a tiny sheet metal shop in Schofield, Wisconsin. Today, their flagship ventilation products are behind walls, in ductworks, or on roofs of non-residential buildings around the world. They offer the widest variety of reliable air movement, control, and conditioning equipment available. Then they do everything to exceed your expectations for on-time delivery, easy installation, and performance. Thank you, GreenHack, for all that you do. Welcome back. Matt Nelson here, your host for HVAC 360, helping you be the best and the brightest in the field of HVAC. And as Thanksgiving week has just passed us, for those listening in real time, I just wanted to pause here and say thank you so much for listening and making this podcast part of your day. So why GreenHack? Um, why did I salute Greenhack? GreenHack has great products. Uh, they have a great local rep here uh, in our area. Uh, they're one of the first places where I got a factory tour, and that was so fun. If uh, you know you can swing it with your boss and you can get an invitation from your local GreenHack rep, I strongly suggest going there and uh, getting a tour of their facility. It was really, really kind of eye opening and uh, beyond that, they have great online courses. Their submittals, I know it's kind of nerdy, but their submittals are really great. I like the way they're very simple, they're very straightforward, that you can find the information that you want very easily. Uh, in addition, they have a, a great selection software that you can use if you can't get a hold of the rep. All right, so what's up for this week? This week's topic comes from a listener after I shared a story in my newsletter titled, I'll find the information on the internet. So let's dive in. Uh, What's wrong with that statement? That statement came from a product rep talking about young engineers just being, you know, they cringe every time they hear the, the phrase, I'll just find the information on the internet. You know, first off, you don't know what kind of information you're going to get on the internet, commercial products. Are plagued with um, being difficult to find, being difficult to find the right information, and you simply don't know what you don't know. So, being able to contact a rep and being able to find that information, being able to um, you know pick their brain on what pieces, parts are right—that's uh, really kind of at the core of this. Um, but as I, my uh, reader pointed out, um, they said that you know it, it, it's not necessarily always about. Um, you know, wanting to uh, be on your own, it's, it's a lot of times you don't know what questions to ask. You, you don't know any information and you just don't want um, to look like a fool. So, I mean, there, obviously there's two strong human factors in play. Obviously, first, like I said, the, the engineers, you don't want to look, um, you don't want to appear to be a burden to your staff. Uh, to your manager, uh, to your mentors. You don't want to be a burden. You want to be able to fend for yourself, and you want to be able to look information up on your own. Uh, Secondly, you don't want to appear stupid. Um, As engineers, you know, we're bright people, and that's the last thing that we really want is to be seen as somebody who is stupid. Um, Obviously, as a correction, you are ignorant. You're not stupid. Obviously, most of you are very bright out there, especially for listening to this podcast And um, so you're just ignorant. There's things that you don't know. Um, As a general statement, you know, when I was a manager, it's it's not a mystery that people who are young engineers don't know anything. You know, I mean, it it kind kind of surprises me from time to time when I start to in in, you know uh, when I start to teach uh, a particular topic or subject where exactly, you know, how far down the rabbit hole I need to go, how, how far back, um, how simple I need to make it to really start to get some traction so we can build on, you know, different questions and different understandings. It, it, it surprises me from time to time. But I think at least from an engineering standpoint, the key that, that you need to know is that you need to pick up on it. Um, you need to get your listening ears on. So hear me clearly. You know, the one thing that that bugged me most as a manager, if you're asking the same question over and over, you need to stop and figure out why, you know, is it not clicking? Is it not, you're, you know, aren't you not going deep enough? You need to be able to own this information. So you need to be able to stop and figure out why you keep asking the same question over and over again. You know, if you need to write it down, write it down. Um, So Ask me, ask me any question you want, but if you ask me the same question two or three times, then that's where it becomes a problem. That's when you're seen as somebody who, you know, is is really not willing to, to put the, uh, the effort in. So I'm going to go over three typical situations here that you're going to be, you know, typically uh, that you're going to uh, ask questions in. Um, and it's going to be useful really whether you're an engineer or not. The goal here is to quickly build a solid framework of understanding to get to get your value up. I mean some of these questions really don't apply in all situations, but I'm going to try to keep them general. All right, so the first situation that you're going to be involved in obviously, is when you're designing. Um, you need to be able to respect the continuity of your mentor or your you know, whoever the engineer, senior engineer, your manager, you want to be able to respect the continuity of their time. Um, try to bunch your questions, or catch them during a break. There's nothing, not that, not that it's necessarily bad. I'd rather you ask the question than not. But if you have a question, and then five minutes, five minutes later you have another question, their productivity just tanks. Um, you know, this happens <laughs> This happens a lot to me when I'm working at home. Um, you know, my wife would have a question for me, and she doesn't think twice about interrupting me and affecting my continuity. But it really takes you a long time to get into that flow state. So when you're doing something and you want to get into that flow state, it takes a lot of time. So if you're going to ask a question, you know, bunch them. Try to respect the time. Um, also, you know, ask them to let you know if, you know, all these questions are getting annoying. That serves a kind of like two purposes. One, it tells them, it lets them know that you realize that it's a lot of questions and it allows them to say, no, no, it's okay. So it's a benefit to you just to kind of frame your interruptions. And if it is becoming annoying, it is getting uh, a lot. Just, you know, it allows them to say, okay, you know what? Can we save this for later? I'll answer it in a little bit. Is there something else that you can, that you know how to do that you can do? Um, Also, you want to be able to develop a habit of thinking of questions. Um, Again, you know, writing them down. Hey, why is this done this way? Why is that done this way? You know, asking a question, and it could be just this. It could be really mundane. It's like, why do you draw it this way? Or why do you want it to be laid out uh, this way? Or why do you select this certain product? It could be very mundane. And the question may not be very complex. But when you ask that to somebody who knows a lot more, maybe you get a lot more out of it. So there's a benefit. And it's always great to be in a habit of thinking of questions, wondering why. Um, and I've I've said this before. You know, usually most of the problems that occur on projects, um, aside from communication, is when people stop stopped asking why, uh, stop asking the questions. So, again, habit of thinking of questions. Um, spread your questions around. Um, you know, if you're if you're kind of targeting the same person over and over again, um, because they're your mentor or they know the best maybe you take a, you know, you know, pause for a little bit or find different people that you can ask questions for. Typically, if you're in a larger office, you're going to have uh, people who are more topical experts, you know, somebody who knows plumbing more, somebody who knows fire protection, somebody who knows HVAC or specifications. Um, so you can, you can kind of spread your wealth of questions around and sort of not necessarily target one person all the time. If you're doing, if you're having your design reviewed, Uh, Here's another question to ask. Question to ask is, is there anything that you would have done differently? You know, a lot of times uh, laying stuff out is more of an art than anything else. And if you're able to, um, you know, step back and ask that question, you know, what would you have done differently? You can get some great answers from that. And also uh, another thing is you can ask about items that need to be coordinated with other engineers. Um, Whether it be structural, whether it be electrical, whether it be plumbing. Um, These are some of the things that people might not necessarily, senior engineers, might not necessarily think about all the time. But if you ask them about a specific piece of equipment, um, you can get some really good information about what you should be thinking about when you lay something out. All right. Let's move on to lunch and learns. Uh, A second scenario where you're going to be asking a lot of questions. You know, remember that the lunch and learns are. You know, your goal is to to learn. Um, yeah, it's really your goal. It's not their goal. Um, obviously, their goal is to be specified, but you know that you know that 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 is what it is. So just you know, don't misunderstand their uh, why they do a lunch and learn. Their lunch and learn. Their reason is to get into the specifications. Um, Obviously, ideally, they'd like to be the basis of design, which is, you know, all their equipment, all their names, you know, uh, is going to be listed on the drawings, in the schedules. Uh, But if they can't be the basis of design, at least they want to be one of the options, one of the approved equals uh, to be able to do that. So... Remember that uh, even though it is to learn the lunch and learn, um, remember to ask a few questions, uh, but don't be the p- type of person who really drags the presentation out. Um, they want to get through the, through, the, through the lunch and learn, and really everybody has to get back to work. So – Um, don't necessarily overwhelm them with questions. Space it out. Maybe ask them, you know, a couple during the presentation, maybe one or two after the presentation. And if if so, you know, get their card. If you still have information, get their card and maybe, you know, talk to them after the fact. One thing during the lunch and learns, remember that other people might have the exact same question. So don't be afraid because somebody in your group is bound to have that uh, same question. Remember uh, that uh, more senior engineers have to be reminded of a few details as well. So, if you're going to ask a question that seems simple to you, maybe it's something that somebody else needs to be reminded of. Um, you know, even even the people who've done this time and time again, some things tend to just be forgotten. Uh, so, if if something you know really clicks in their brain and they learn something, you know, that's great. That's a great kind of question to be asking also don't be able don't be uh don't be afraid and this is kind of done before the lunch and learn um don't be afraid to ask senior engineers if your firm actually uses the product that's being talked about uh you know and ask who are you know if if you know who is this rep you know any good ask their opinion ask you know if they, they aren't any good or if they are pretty good, are there other better reps that are out there for this type of product? And, and write them down. You know, I mean, don't forget the names. Don't forget, you know, who to contact. It's it's not only you're learning about a product, but you're also building your network. So don't forget um, to kind of pick the brains of, of senior engineers uh, around a lunch and learn. So phrase a question, maybe you want to phrase a question for an agreement um, using kind of starting it with, I've heard that or I understand that, you know, such and such. Is that true? Um, if it is true, great. If it's not true, then you can get the explanation on. Typically, they'll follow up. and Well, no, that's not quite true because and then they will follow that on. So you can kind of say, OK, here's what I know. Is that right? And you can get that confirmation from the, the Lunch and Learn. And also another one, another one you can use is the incomplete knowledge question. You know, I'm not sure, the, You a know, question like, I'm not sure that I totally understand that. Could you go over that again? Especially you know, when they're going through a presentation really, really fast. Um, you might want to kind of slow them down a little bit. If there's something that you don't quite understand or there's words that they're using that you don't understand, why is that important? Um, you know, I mean it's it's just simple things like that. Why are you telling me this? Um, ask, you know another question a great question, and this is more of a almost a senior engineering question. Um, ask you know, what the competitors, you know they'll they'll probably know what the competitors are, but you might want to ask that question. Um, but it's really important that you understand that if they're kind of you know usually when they do a lunch and learn they're talking about the latest and greatest you know bells and whistles that their product has. So is that something that makes them um, special? So you can't necessarily specify other products around that. And a lot of times people are needing, you know, at least three products to be equals. They want to make sure that they don't want to flat spec, and that's called flat specing, flat spec a particular project or a product um, that nobody else can compete with. So you want to be able to make sure that if they are talking about something that's that's maybe new, um, who else is doing this? You know, who else has that same feature? Okay, another question is to ask what the best best application is. Uh, or what would not be a great application that, uh, those are some of the things that, um, you can, you can ask there. What are some of the most common features or options selected? Um, what are some of the, m- uh, maintenance considerations, um, clearance requirements, you know, do you need clearance requirements and why, you know, it, I mean, the, the why question is an interesting one because, you know, what are the clearance requirements, you know, for certain boilers, um, And then why is that equipment may have kind of this, you, you would, you would think, why do they need, you know, 24 inches on this side or 48 inches on this side? Why do they need that? Uh, and you get, when you ask the why question, then you can understand a little bit more about how a particular product functions. You know, are there any installation clearance issues, um, and this, you know, even though that comes kind of more from the design, you want to understand how the product comes into the job site. Um, more often than not, especially if you have a product that you were looking at installing, um, especially in a retrofit application, you're going to want to know how it comes to the job site. Um, is it going to be something that's going to fit through a standard door? Um, is it something that's going to have to be broken down? Can it be broken down? Uh, what's the, what are the largest pieces? Um, do you have to necessarily specify, you know, breaking it down and, um, you know, during your installation, is that something that you want to add to your plan notes? What are the relative costs compared to other options? I mean, obviously, you know, talking about dollars as an engineer, uh, dollars and cents, that's kind of, everybody kind of gives this, well, here's the, here's the list price, which is not the price that the contractor pays, um. But it is it is kind of just a general um, a general cost. So when you talk about relative cost compa- compared to other options, you know what's the cost of this coating compared to the standard coating? What's what's the upcharge uh, for that? Um, or what's the relative cost compared to some of the competitors? You know, are they gold plating it? Um, you want to be able to m- and understand uh, when you're selecting the pieces of equipment what the cost implications are. And don't forget to, to ask for more information. Again, if something isn't clear, stop them. Ask them for more information. You know, can you tell me more about this? And then afterwards, don't forget to go up to them, thank them, and get their card. Uh, maybe there's a question you held on to, you can, you can ask them then, or maybe something comes up and you want to be able to ask them at a future date. So that's all good when you're talking about lunch and lunch. Now, when you're, I guess the third scenario you might uh, run into is the scenario that we kind of started the conversation with, equipment selections. You know, what, do, what do you want to do? I mean, obviously, some of the previous questions, you can ask all of those. Um, but really, when you're selecting equipment, not only, obviously, once you find the, the, the right rep that you want to talk to, you want to ask, what sort of information do I need to get you so that you can make a selection? You know, is it CFM? Is it temps? Uh, are we dealing with static pressures, electrical requirements? What, what is it about um, a selection that you need to know about? I mean, that might not necessarily be all uh, very clear. And again, that's something that you want to be able to make sure that you are um, you are getting and that you understand why they need that too. Now that's a, a, another follow-up question. Why, do you need, why would you need that? Or what makes that so special? Uh, ask about common options. What are some of the options that are, are commonly selected for this type of equipment and why? Uh, ask about, uh, you know, can you tell me more about this? There's always that, that kind of question. And sometimes submittals don't have all the information all in the right places. Um, so you want to make sure that uh, when you're looking at equipment selections, that you have everything that you need, that you, you know, if you asked for something that you want to make sure that it's on that submittal and you want to be able to find that. So if you need that explained to you, uh, where can I find this information? Uh, Where can I find that information? Um, And make sure that that is, is there. Sometimes it might be, you know, especially, you know, if you're dealing with a piece of equipment, they might tell you what the voltage is, um, but it doesn't necessarily have, maybe it doesn't have the, uh, the full load amps or the, uh, the MCA or the uh, uh, overcurrent protection. Maybe that's not listed somewhere, and that's information that you need to get to your electrical cu- uh, counterpart. So when you're looking at the submittal, ask them. And if you pick something with uh, certain parameters, um, and this happens a lot, say, in fans, um, they might give you a different selection. H- ask them to explain why that happened. Just like when, you have, uh, when you're talking to your uh, designer and they have a different layout option for you. If somebody comes back and it's a different type of fan, different size of fan with a different type of motor, um, you, know, you can play with those things. There's a lot of variables going into selecting equi- uh, commercial equipment. So you might be able to increase you know the flow and decrease the you know the size of the coil, or increase the motor horsepower and decrease the size of the fan. So there's a lot of different things. Why would you do that? Why would you make this selection? Sometimes it, it just comes down to cost. Sometimes it was, you know, they've selected it for no particular reason at all. Um, so ask them to explain why. All right. I hope some of these questions were helpful to you. I hope that um, gave you an idea of some questions that you might want to ask to get you from ignorant to informed. Um, All right. Well, thanks so much for listening. I hope you learned something. If you know somebody who needs this knowledge, consider passing this episode along. This is by far the best thing that you can really do for the podcast. Um, If you want to do more, there's uh, three different things. Uh, If you're not a subscriber, consider joining the growing community of people just like you over at HVAC360.com, sign up for my news newsletter, and get some more weekly goodness. Uh, if you would, subscribe to my YouTube channel. And uh, lastly, I would be greatly honored if you'd consider leave me, leaving me a rating and review over at Apple Podcast. All right, well, that's a wrap for this episode of HVAC360. I'm Matt Nelson, helping you be the best of the brightest in the field of HVAC. And as always know what you build, and share what you know.